This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. And I say unto you that come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Okay, now in our last study, we saw this history of the centurion, and there's this amazing statement that he said that we just read in verse 11 where he said that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, kind of picture the scene. As soon as the Jewish Messiah said that, everybody wondered, what does he mean? Because we know that in verse 11, that the many that shall come from the east and the west, that the Lord was opening up the door at that point, he was opening up the door to the Gentiles. We know that now, but they didn't. And they heard this for the first time, that many are what? Many are going to come from the east and the west, and they're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That was the opening of the door to heaven to the Gentiles, like it says in Isaiah 60, verse 3, Isaiah 60, verse 3, Gentiles shall come to thy light. So this was an amazing new development here that he spoke of, that Gentiles were going to come from far away into heaven. 
What was even more astounding was when he went on to say that they weren't just going to come in verse 11, but they were going to sit down. They shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. These people, these fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's the description of the Jewish people. That's the famous phrase, Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. That's the famous phrase that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that designates as the Jewish people. So the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that term, like I said, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, that has always been a statement of separation from the Gentiles. It's always been viewed as a separation. It was Isaac, not Ishmael, his brother. It was Jacob, not Esau, his brother. It was Isaac who was separated from his Gentile brother, Ishmael. It was Jacob who was separated from his Gentile brother, Esau. So to say those words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not only describes the Jewish people, but it also describes the Jewish people separated from the Gentile people. So now, to hear the Lord in verse 11 speak about the Gentiles coming from the east and the west and sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. In short, this was a shocking statement that Gentiles would sit down with the founding fathers, the essence of the Jewish people. And this raised a lot of questions. And the first question is raised as, first of all, as they were sitting there, they're thinking, what does that mean? What did he say? Does this mean that all the Gentiles will no longer be separated from the Jewish people in heaven? Is that what that means? And to answer this question, the Lord simply had to put on, to, to hold up, he says, I present to you now exhibit A, which is this Gentile centurion. He has just come, essentially, like coming from the east and the west, very far away. He's come from Rome, and he's come now to worship the Lord Jesus with great reverence and humility. And then the people will have understood the meaning of what he meant when he said the word come in verse 11. Many shall come from the east and the west. He didn't say many from the east and the west are going to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He said many will come from the east and the west. Will come from where? Uh, not from where, the east and the west they come from. But come where? They come to the Jewish Messiah. They come to the one who was speaking to them. They come just as that Gentile centurion had come. And this is the scene that's described by Zechariah in Zechariah 8.23, Zechariah 8.23, where again the word come is used, where it says in Zechariah 8.23, thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Gentiles of all languages, it says, of the nations, grabbing the clothes of a Jew and saying, take us to your God. That's what the scene is. And fulfilling the prophecy of the Gentiles is what he's talking about here when he says many will come. And it was a prophecy not only in the book of Zechariah, but it was a prophecy given, and she didn't even know it, 
by the Gentile woman, Ruth, who was not only speaking for herself, but she was speaking for all believing Gentiles when she said in Ruth 1.16, her most famous words, Ruth 1.16, Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Ruth didn't know it, but she was making a prophetic statement there for all believing Gentiles. When she said to her Jewish believing mother-in-law, Naomi, in the verse we just read, Ruth 1.16, Ruth 1.16, thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And each one of those Gentiles that the Lord Jesus was describing in verse 11, where he talked about, many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Each one of those Gentiles is saying to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as they sit down with them, the words of Ruth. They're saying, thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Each one of those Gentiles is saying to the fathers, your Jewish people shall be my people, and your God of the Jews shall be my God. And that's what grafting looks like. That's what grafting of the Gentiles, who are called wild olive branches, when this is what it looks like when they're grafted into the Jewish stocks as described in Romans 11:17. Romans 11:17 says, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Now, then, that's not where he finished, unfortunately. Then, as a last statement of this history of the Gentile centurion, the Lord gave a solemn declaration, a terrible statement about the majority of the Jewish people, who he called the children of the kingdom, when he said in verse 12, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when he said that, you can hear this strong, silent cry of the people where they said, why? Why will the children of the kingdom, the ones who should be the first to enter the kingdom of heaven, the Jewish people, why will they be cast out into outer darkness? How can this be? And the answer has already been given by this one word that the Lord used to describe to the Gentiles in verse 11 and in what the Gentile centurion just did. And that's the word that's missing about the children of the kingdom, the majority of Jewish people, and that word is come. It's just simply the word come. In describing the Gentiles who enter the kingdom of heaven, he said in verse 11, many shall come from the east and the west. But when describing the, the children of the kingdom in verse 12, that's the word that's missing, and it's very conspicuous by its absence. They do not come. And that's the tragedy of the universe that's stated in John 1.11 when it says, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. In short, he came to them. They did not come to him. And that's what, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a little bit passionate about this because I've given my life for this in the Israel Restoration Ministries. And on Friday, I think I told you that I had an interview a week and a half ago with the Jewish Agency in Los Angeles, and I gave some answers that, okay, whatever. 
Then I got an email this last week and it said, for some reason, <laughs> the interview did not record and we have to repeat it. So, okay. Uh, so on Friday, I, again, I, you know, I, I was asked in my eligibility for Israeli citizenship, she had done a little bit of research in that week and a half. And so she said, okay, that's very good about, you know, your Jewish background and how your father circumcised you because he was the moil and so forth. And it went on and on, you know, telling about all these Jewish things. And then she said, uh, so now tell me about Israel Restoration Ministries. <laughs> so I said, Israel Restoration Ministries. I said, oh, I said, that's my expression of love to the Jewish people, I said. And, uh, of course, the mission statement is, of the Israel of course, you knew it, to bring the lost sheep of the house of Israel back to God. Okay, well, anyway. So Israel Restoration Ministries looks at verse 12 and says, no, the children of the kingdom be cast out of darkness. Who says, no, may it not be so. May we all do that we can to stop this casting of the children of the kingdom into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the whole goal of Israel Restoration is to persuade the kingdom of the children of the kingdom to just do one thing. Come, come. Not join a religion, not become a Gentile, not join a church, not become a Christian. The, the Christians who have killed the Jews, not become a part of Christianity, but just individually and personally come to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now, next history is coming up now, and we see the Lord enter into Peter's house where he saw a sad sight in, in uh, Matthew 8.14. Matthew 8.14. When Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. Now, here, we read this history here. It is useful to go look at the parallel passages because we get a little bit more information when we look at the parallel passages both in Mark and Luke so Mark 1.29, Mark 1.29, the same passage. Forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and a nun they tell him of her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto him. Got this information in mind. Now we look at, at Luke 4:38, Luke 4, 38, 40, Luke 4:38 for the other parallel passage. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered to them, ministered unto them. So what we learn more from the accounts of Mark and Luke, and we put it all together with, the, with, with Matthew, and we can see all that happened here, because we're interested in seeing all that happened. As I mentioned, Matthew has a particular goal. He's writing to the Jewish people. He has honed out certain facts. But okay, we look at the whole thing. It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. And the Lord and his disciples were in the synagogues. That was his custom. That's what he did on the Sabbath. It says in Luke 4.16, Luke 4.16, when he came to Nazareth, 
where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and, and that's what happened. On the Sabbath, the Lord was in the synagogue. He was listening to what they were saying. He was talking with the people. He was just as he did when he was 12 years old. 12 years old he was doing this, it says in Luke 2.46. Luke 2.46, it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Boy, would I love to have been there. So on the Sabbath, the Lord went into the synagogue, he listened to the speakers, and then he asked probing questions. Questions. I, I, I remember when, when I was um, in the home of one of my Orthodox Jewish friends, and on Sabbath, it was Sabbath, Shabbat meal, Sabbath, Friday night, and he, he, was, he and his family were more observant in their orthodoxy than I was used to. So they were doing things that, okay, so they were taking salt and throwing it across the table, and then they had to go wash their hands with the copper pot at the sink and all these kind of customs, and I was just watching and watching until, you know, finally I had to know, so I started asking questions. And the first question, I said, why do you throw the salt, you know? Well, no one answered. They just looked at me. And, and then I asked the next question, well, why do you watch with a copper pot? Again, no one answered. They just looked at me. So, you know, they made, they made me feel pretty low. I could sit on a dime and swing my legs, you know? So that was it. So, you know, I kept asking questions. And finally, it was just too irritating for them. And so my friend just looked at me, and he says, you don't ask why, you just do these things. <laughs> Got it, sir. So, well, the Lord listened in the synagogue, and then he asked questions, and questions that were designed to get them to think, to get them to, 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 to ask, why do we do these things? You know, and, and uh, uh, you know, they have high-rise buildings in Jerusalem, in Israel, and um, I don't, you know, uh, what they call in, in, uh, in Yiddish, altakaga, old people, a lot of old people. And so, you know, this might be 20, 30, 40 stories high, and an old person like me is not going to walk up 20 or 34 flights of stair on Sabbath, right? Because the elevator can't run because it's, it's a mechanical thing. But one elevator is designated the Sabbath elevator, and that walks out, that goes up and down the whole thing. So, you know, you might, you might go and says, well, you know, why is this elevator different from all other elevators? <laughs> and, uh, and again, you would be told, you don't ask why, you just ride that elevator. Okay. So it's the Sabbath, the service is over in the synagogue, they've made their way back to the home, back to Peter's home, and uh, only we learn in, in, in Mark that it was also the home of, he, of Andrew as well, which means they lived together. And in the home there was Peter's wife's mother, or her mother, his mother-in-law. It was Peter's mother-in-law, which means that, 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 that Peter was married. Peter was married. I mean, after all, a man would be crazy to have a mother-in-law without a wife. I mean, you know. <laughs> but um, so we learn from this that Peter is married. Peter is married? What? Peter is married? From, from uh, the Peter from whom all the popes descend from, and all the priests look up at, you know, those unmarried pros, popes, those unmarried priests, they look up to Peter, the married man? Okay, whatever. 
So the Lord enters into the house of Peter, and he is told that, that Peter's mother-in-law is very sick. He's told this, first of all. Luke, the great the, the physician here, he describes her as having a great fever, a great fever. And then we're told in both Mark and Luke that it was others, others that asked the Lord to help her, to heal her. So then the sequence is like this. The Lord comes into the room where she is. The Lord stands over her and rebukes the fever. Then the Lord touches her hand. Then the Lord takes her by the hand and with the hand lifts her up and immediately the fever leaves and then she starts to serve, all right? So this was a great blessing that the Lord brought to the home of Peter. And it shows how much God loves home life, home life, like the hymn says, happy the home where Jesus' name is sweet to every ear, where children early speak his fame and parents hold him dear. Happy the home where prayer is heard and praise is wont to rise, where parents love the sacred word and its wisdom prize. That's a happy home. And this is the type of happy home that he went into. So when we see the Lord enter this home, as he did there, it is the warmth of the home, everything wonderful about the home, it just makes us think all the more about what he said about his own home on earth, which he said in Matthew, same chapter, in verse 20, verse 20, he says, Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Foxes and birds were more fortunate than the Lord because, because they had homes and the Lord's didn't. Okay, so from the verse 14, from verse 14, we see that how in the house of, in the house of Peter, Peter, we're talking about Peter, his mother-in-law was so sick. As a matter of fact, the Greek word was laid. It means like thrown down, cast down. It reminds me of my first chemo session that I had for cancer. And I got home from the chemo center and I stood next to my bed. And as I remember, I didn't get into bed, I passed out into bed. I was cast into bed. And the next thing I remember was my wife Cheryl standing over the bed and yelling at me, don't die. Of course, like any obedient husband, I obeyed, yes, of course. That's why I'm alive today. <laughs> okay, and this is the description of Peter's mother-in-law here. She was cast down into bed with a great fever. She was in a, a state of complete and total helplessness. And this sickness was in Peter's house. This was in Peter's house. This is Peter, the great apostle we're talking about. And what it shows us here is that Peter, the great apostle, the close one to the Lord, was not exempt from sickness in his home. As a matter of fact, this is gonna be the third healing in this book, in the book of Matthew, in the, in the chapter here. It will be in Peter's family. And that raises a question, why? Why would the Lord allow Peter, of all people, to have such a terrible sickness in his own home? Why would the Lord Peter's house to be exposed to COVID-19 or whatever it was, great fevers? 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.